Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. If I could just confess, sometimes the Bible bothers me. I don't know if that ever happened to you. You read something, you're like, God, why? Right? In the Old Testament, Exodus account, you got these Israelites who's so stubborn and stupid. I'm wondering, God, why did you choose such stubborn people? I mean, they're walking through the desert. They're seeing manifestation of God every day. Pillar of cloud, pillar of fire, manna, supernatural things every day. And yet they're so stubborn and they're hard-hearted. They disobey. They question God. They question the leaders. I mean, and, and I wonder, God, if, it, if you didn't make that promise to Abraham, maybe you wouldn't choose such stubborn people like the Israelites. That's what I think. But then we get to the New Testament. Mm, yeah. You have Judas selected as one of the 12 of the closest disciples who ate with him, talked with him in the most intimate setting, right? And the man was chosen, empowered with the Holy Spirit to even do miracles, casting out demons, healing and then he sells out Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And then you have Peter. Here's Peter. I'll go to the prison and even to death with you, Jesus. When a servant girl who's a nobody questions, hey, aren't you one of them? No. Peter denies Jesus three times when a nobody asked him because he was afraid for himself. What a wimp. And then when Jesus is hung on the cross, he's dying. Only one of the 12 disciples, John, was there watching the beloved Lord, Master, the Christ, die on the cross. James is at a distance. Ten out of the 12 were too, far, too afraid that they might be arrested and they might be crucified, that they're nowhere in sight. And I'm thinking... Lord, this is your dream team? I mean, you really want to start the whole church with these guys who will sell you out, who run away at the first chance because of their own fear? So I have problems with some things in the Bible. I have problems that, God, why would you choose such, I don't want to say losers, but wimps or people who would hinder your ministry, who will fail you, who would disappoint you, and that drop of a hat, why would you choose such people for your team? Didn't you see it coming? Didn't you know that was going to happen? Because if I was God, and you should be lucky that I'm not, I would choose for my ministry team people who would be loyal, who's capable would make me look good, right? <laughs> Just standing next to me, they ought to be capable and grade a top-notch people. But Jesus didn't do that. 
He didn't choose people based on how loyal, how good, how capable, or if they would be faithful. But you have to ask, why? Why then would you choose such unlikely people that you and I would not choose? We come to a text in Mark chapter 1, and there's a glimpse of why Jesus might choose such unlikely people to be saved for his own work. So if you have your phones, will you turn with me to Mark chapter 1 in your Bible apps? And I'll have it for you, but it's always good to have something in your hand that you can act like you're highlighting and make notes so that you can go back to for your remembrance. Mark, Mark chapter 1, 40 through 45. And this is the word of the Lord. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. So here's the context. Jesus is beginning his ministry. He's traveling town to town, preaching about the kingdom of God, the gospel, right? He is preaching, and as he is going, as he's traveling, he is casting out demons. He is healing the sick. He is bringing the kingdom of God to the places that he's going. And, I mean, there's manifestation but between the villages, as he's traveling from one village to the next, somewhere in the no man's land, there's a leper who sees Jesus coming and cries out, right, for help. Jesus, save me. Well, if you guys know anything about a leper, leper or leprosy, we don't see that too often here, but it's still very common in the third world countries where they, didn't, they still don't have the medication. But it is a skin disease. And the skin disease makes them look awful. And especially in the ancient time, lepers or leprosy were considered dirty. In fact, there was a whole law of Moses that considered them ceremonially unclean, that they were exiled outside of the town. So if, in our culture, if you were ever rejected for your you know, looks or capability or whatever. I mean, there's a social, you know, prejudice. Leprosy, you were the lowest of the low of the entire community. You couldn't even sleep in your own house with your own family. You were exiled, excommunicated. You were, people, in fact, threw rocks at the lepers so that you stay away. They were the epitome of the rejected. Worse, this man shows that in these very short verses, that he's someone that you could not trust. Jesus, after healing him, instructed him very sternly, go to the priest, you know, for the ceremonial uh, documentation that you are clean so you can be restored into the community. But also don't tell anyone 
so that he, Jesus could do the ministry. But what did he do? He fails in that instruction, tells everyone that literally kept Jesus from being able to minister in the plans that he had. I mean, talk about someone literally hurting the ministry of Jesus with disobedience. So I asked myself, Jesus, didn't you see this coming? God, don't you know the future of what you're gonna, what's going to happen if you save that person? Couldn't you just ignore him or heal him after your ministry? Right? And from the text, we get a couple of clues as to why Jesus might have healed such unlikely person. First, first reason that I see. Jesus healed a leper because the man came with humility. The man came with humility. The leper ran to Jesus, fell on his knees, and begged. In every culture, in every religion, when you are on your knees, it is a sign of humility. It is you are lowering yourself than the other person. You are subjecting yourself like a slave. You are bowing down. In the Eastern culture more so, we bow to show respect and honor. In every religion, Judaism, Christianity, to uh, uh, Muslim, they still bow down. Because it is an act that says, you are worthy, you are higher, and I am lower. So this leper showed complete humility and submission in coming to the Lord. Now, I don't know if it's my imagination, but you let me know. But is it? Is our 21st century American church bowing down less? In our worship, in our prayers? It used to be, it all across in all religions, when you pray, you get on your knees. And even the old, you know, little thing. I don't see that much anymore. You could be doing it in your privacy, and I'm not calling anyone out. I just don't see it as much as it is commonly depicted in other religions. Other religions are worshiping a false god, yet they are bowing down in humility more so than the Christians who know Jesus or say that we know Jesus. There's a question mark there. Why is it that we who know Jesus, when we, we ought to be humbling ourselves before our Lord and our Master in prayer, in our hearts, in our submission, yet we fail to get on our knees, even in our prayer? This leper showed complete humility. And in humility, Jesus showed compassion. I believe that if we as a people of God get down on our knees, when we say, Lord, you are my God and I am your servant, when we humble ourselves, God's, God would be moved to compassion. And when he's moved to compassion, he will show his favor. When we give him our honor, our worship, he releases his favor. It's not that we come to him for favor, but we come to him in humility and out of the abundance he overflows and blesses his people. Try it. Try it in your prayers. Get on your knees and see what God will do in your life. 
Because I believe when we honor him, he honors you. Jesus saw the man's humility. He was moved to compassion, and he healed him. But more than humility, I see the second reason that Jesus healed him. It was that the leper came with faith. The leper came with faith. He believed that Jesus was his hope. Whether seen or unseen, he believed that Jesus was the means for him to be healed, to be cleansed. He said to him, if you are willing, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Notice the leper never questioned whether Jesus could or had the power. He said, if you are willing. The word willing in the original Greek is thelos, okay? That can be translated if you want to, if you desire to. If it's your plan, you can do it. It's not can you do it? No, if you want to do it, you can do it because you have the power. That means the leper had complete faith that Jesus had the power, had the authority, and if he wanted, he can do whatever he wants. And he came saying, if you are willing. The question the leper asked was the right question. Not can you, but if you are willing. Is it in your heart's desire to heal me? And Jesus said, I am willing. And he touched him. Jesus didn't even have to touch him. He could have just said, be cleansed. But he touched him, and that shows something. Love. Compassion. When the world says you are ceremonially unclean, you, we don't want to be contaminated, contaminated by you, by being with you, never, let alone touch you. But Jesus touched him to show love. You know, if you think about leprosy, I think of, I was in a mission trip to India, and there was a leper, leprosy community. And one missionary student, like, during his graduation, called out, are you willing to sleep with these lepers, the rejected, to show the love of Jesus? And I was like, oh, because how many of us are really willing to do that? And he, this guy, literally put his own life at stake to share the love of Jesus with these lepers, lepers um, over there. But consider the community which, like the Israelites. Israelites, if you study history, they were like the OCD nation of all worlds. Okay? I mean, they had a reputation to be the cleanliest which I can appreciate. Any OCDs in the house? No? <laughs> I, 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 I love OCD people. They're so organized, so clean. Uh, I, I love everything. But Israelites were like that for the whole nations and law. In fact, they, were, they had a reputation to be the most hygienic, the most organized compared to the the nations around them, because cleanliness was a means to holiness. That's what they believe. The whole law of 
cleanliness of bodily fluid, where you can go to the bath and when and all that. I mean, there was everything outlined in the law so that you can keep yourself clean. And if you were dirty, it's sin or sinful. And with a view of leprosy, they consider that that was the dirtiest of the dirty. It's like you are contaminated in your skin, and you can't even wash it off like sin. And so they also believe that you got that skin disease because of your sin. So consider the Israelites and how they viewed lepers and leprosy. It was something that you could not wash away and be done with. It was deadly, just like sin. So when the leper came to Jesus, he said, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Notice that the leper didn't say, you can make me well, you can make me healed. He said, you can make me clean. And he asked the right question because Jesus says, I am willing, be clean. Is it about the skin disease or was it about sin? Either way, he asked the right question where Jesus removed his skin disease and restored him. That he said, go to the priest so that you can be restored according to the law of Moses. You know, I wrestle with what the leper was going through. You have an instruction to go to the priest so that you could be restored, to be considered ceremonially clean, to go back to your family. Yet, when you're healed, you get excited. And you want to tell the world. I understand that. But there is instruction that Jesus says, don't tell anyone. And he couldn't follow that instruction. I understand his position, don't get me wrong, but come on. What he did literally kept Jesus from entering into the town because Jesus had a clear purpose in why he was traveling from town to town. In Mark 138, he said, Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. Jesus' purpose was not to go town to town to heal the sick, to cast out demons and all that, even though that happened. His purpose was to talk about the kingdom of God, for people to see God himself, people to see the love of God. You understand that people, and I I joke with my wife, I love her. There's nothing wrong with her, just for the record. But we joke that sometimes there are people who jump from, especially in the charismatic circle, who jump from retreats to retreats or um, prophecies, healings, right? Even as if that is the epitome of reaching God. But Jesus, when he was doing ministry, it's about preaching the kingdom, about bringing the truth. Even though the, the miracles happen and those are all good, Somehow, some people chase the hands more than the person. I think there, there's a reversal there. Jesus' purpose is that if you talk about my miracles and all these things, you will hinder me from preaching because they'll come for the hands and not the person. And I think that, as a church, we need to get right. 
We need his word. We need his truth. We need the person, the encountering of the king himself rather than the manifestations. And they're all good. Don't get me wrong. Come to Jesus' life. You will experience it. But don't come for it. Come to encounter the deeper person of Jesus is what I'm saying. Because this man disregarded the order, Jesus could not go in and out freely as he had planned to preach. And so I come back to the same question. Jesus, didn't you see that coming? Jesus, you knew he was going to do that. So why did you do it? He's going to hinder your ministry. He's going to be the speed bump that keeps you from going from town to town. He's going to keep you away from some other people who deserve your ministry. So why would you help someone who would get in the way of your work? And so when I come to this text, and I think, if I was God, I would choose my dream team in a very different way. You know, we are programmed in our culture from the really early on from elementary schools. And you know this. We are trained to pick people who will make us win. You know, Two kids, team captains in a playground, what do they do? They pick the fastest, the quickest, most coordinated, who's going to help them score. And then you get to the very last person who's not picked. Please pick me, please pick me. And, and you know, psychologically, these kids are like, oh, come on, I don't want to be last. But the team captain only picks those who will help them win, not help them lose. We all think that we are not that last person. We all think I will never be that last kid who's not picked. In fact, many of us might say, hey, I was always the first one picked, or I was a team captain in my life. Okay? We all think that we are better than we really are. So if I were to pick my dream team, I would pick me and not Peter. You think I'm joking. <laughs> Social psychologists have a term for this. It's called illusory superiority. I kid you not. Let me just read this. It's a cognitive bias that causes people to overestimate their positive qualities and abilities and to underestimate their negative qualities relative to others. In areas of intelligence, in areas of their skills, strength, we all think we are better than we really are and not as weak than we really are. Another name for this is called above average effect. This is another name for it. You guys know what that above average effect is? They did a study. They asked the students. They asked the lowest performing students, below average students. Hey, where do you think you rank among your classmates in, in, your, in your school? The lowest students, they said, oh, I'm probably average. They asked the average students, where do you think you rank in your school? They said, I'm probably above average. 
everybody thought they were better than they really were. You know, you don't have to be a math genius. You don't have to be Asian to know this mathematical formula. Okay. Average is taking all the numbers, the low and the high, to get the medium. Do you understand? And nobody thinks they're in the medium. We all think we're above average. Nobody thinks we're in the bottom, even though if we're on the bottom. Does it make sense? Illusory superiority. Above average effect says that I'm the guy who's picking the team, and I'm the guy who's going to be picked first because I'm better than I really think I am. Or you are better. You think you are better. Why do we think that we're better? Because you know better. We think we're better. No, really. We all do. This is our natural instinct. This is, and I think that's good. It gives us confidence in all of these things. But also says, maybe we think we're better than we really are. It's easy to think that if I was God, I would not have chosen the leper, Peter, or Judas. And I would be the superhero of the disciples. But if we're real, it is by grace that we are saved. Not because of our abilities, not because of how good or weak we are. It is completely by grace that God chose you, saved you, healed you, cleansed you, and allowed you to know him to come into his presence. Even though the world might reject people like us, God did not. And that's the gospel. For God so loved the world, not because of your performance, not because of your intelligence, not because of the school you went to or didn't go to. God so loved the world, I mean, he loved all because we are made in the image of God. We are God's own children and we are part of his redemptive plan. God doesn't care about how fast you can run. He doesn't care how, how well you dress or how pretty you are. Men, we might care for that, but I mean, that's a different story. But God has a different selection process. Jesus had a purpose and plan for his ministry, and he came to preach the kingdom of God. And he came, he healed this leper, even though this leper would hinder his preaching ministry. But do you think that Jesus had any regret in healing this leper? Not at all. Not at all. We might be inconvenienced when somebody gets it in our way. We might be inconvenienced if somebody cuts us off and we're getting traffic and or somebody in our meeting shuts down our idea that could have been really good. Whatever. We might feel inconvenienced, but Jesus, he loved every person no matter whether they helped him or hindered him, he loved them nevertheless and still did not regret saving them. Love of Jesus is greater than we can imagine or we can imitate. He loved Peter even after Peter denied him. He loved the leper who freely told people who hindered him in his ministry. And Jesus loves me he loves you more than you can imagine, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter your past, 
And no matter your future failures, he still loves you and did not regret saving you. That's the love of Jesus. He is full of mercy and full of grace. And I love our resting place slogan that says, he's not mad at you, but he's madly in love with you. That is so true. Because he loves you, he has compassion for you. Because he loves you, he says you are not a disappointment. Because he loves you, you do not have to perform. You act according to who you are. And that is good and the bad. You can be below average, and he says that you're still mine. Here's the truth. We, like the leper, we were once covered in sin and deemed unclean. And sin was this thing that we could not wash away even with the best Purell money could buy. But when we approach Jesus, he says, I am willing. I am willing. Not only did he said that, but he showed compassion and touched the leper, changed his identity. When Jesus touched you, you are a brand new person. You are forever changed. He changes your identity just by his touch. When he says, I am willing, you are different. You're not a leper. You're not the broken. You're not a slave. You are my son. You are my daughter. And that's good news. And I think that when we think about why we evangelize, if you know this truth, man, you can't, we would be like the leper who can't control our mouth. We would go to the streets and tell people about it. We can't wait to get to the priest to say, hey, I'm ceremonial unclean. No, I'm going to tell everybody about it because that's the heart of evangelism. Once you are touched by Jesus and you are forever transformed, that's it. Game over. You tell the world. And you don't think about the consequence. You don't think about what other people are going to think about you. You don't even think about what Jesus is going to think about you. You're just going to tell the good news because that is so good, you can't control it. God so loved the world. God so loved you. God so loves the people outside the church. Are we going to let them know about that? Even though we look out and there are the people who hurt us, hinder us, break our hearts, reject us, beat us up sometimes, Jesus loved them too. Are we going to share the love of Jesus? So when we think about why would Jesus choose someone you and I might not, we realize if he didn't, we might not have had a chance. But because he did, we have a new life, new identity. And we are called to preach that good news to everyone. Amen? Amen. That's good news. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.